0: Good afternoon. You're listening to KFSK News for Tuesday, February 27th. I'm Hannah Floor. Governor Mike Dunleavy cast doubt on the future of a bill that would boost state education funding and implement other reforms yesterday, shortly after the Senate sent the bill to his desk. Eric Stone reports
1: from Juneau. The bipartisan bill would increase the base per-student funding to school districts by $680. That's the first substantial increase since 2016. It would also provide new support to charter and correspondent schools and offer funding to help young students struggling to read. Senate President Gary Stevens, a Kodiak Republican, said immediately after the 18-1 Senate vote that he was glad to see lawmakers working together to address the state's struggling schools.
2: I think we made major progress, and I'm really proud of the fact that this House sent us a, a bill that we could agree to. And it's out, it's, it's done, and um,
1: now we'll see what happens to the next shoe falls. He didn't have to wait long. half an hour later, in a social media post, Dunleavy said the bill, quote, falls far short of improving outcomes for students. He said the bill fails to improve access to public charter schools, does nothing to recruit or retain teachers, and does not support the Alaska Reads Act. That's a bill aimed at early literacy that passed a few years ago. But Dunleavy did not say specifically whether he would veto the bill, and the governor's press office did not expand on his remarks. The bill includes a new appeal process for charter schools and an education department position tasked with helping districts expand charter schools. But it does not include a proposal endorsed by Dunleavy's administration that would have created a new approval process for charter schools. The bill also does not include a Dunleavy proposal that would have created bonuses of up to $15,000 for teachers. Instead, the bill has non-binding language instructing school districts to spend their increased funding on salaries and retention bonuses for teachers. The bill also includes funding to help elementary schoolers who are struggling to read. Responding to Dunleavy's statement, Representative Zach Fields, an Anchorage Democrat, says the bill addresses the governor's priorities. Just stepping back politically, I think actually everyone wins from the bill. Of course, most importantly, um, kids get more predictable school funding and smaller class sizes. Just three lawmakers across the House and Senate voted against the bill, and Field says that makes it unlikely that Dunleavy would actually veto the bill. Representative Craig Johnson, an Anchorage Republican who led the effort to pass the bill on the part of the House Majority Caucus, declined to speculate on whether lawmakers would vote to override a possible veto. So I haven't talked to the governor about a veto or anything else. So it's uh, it's in his it's in his ballpark. That's the way the system works. Uh, if he does wind up vetoing it, do you think the votes are there to override the veto? I'm not going to count anybody's votes. Despite the broad support, it's not entirely clear that lawmakers have the necessary 40 votes between the House and Senate to override. Senator Shelley Hughes, a Palmer Republican, voted for the bill on Monday, but said she would not vote to override a veto. Dunleavy has 15 days, excluding Sundays, to either sign or veto the bill once it's formally transmitted to him. Otherwise, it becomes law without his signature. Lawmakers say a veto or a delay in signing could delay the impact of a provision increasing Internet speeds at rural low-income school districts. Reporting in Juneau, I'm Eric Stone.
0: When the Petersburg Borough sells land assessed at more than $500,000, that sale has to go to a public vote. An ordinance before the Petersburg Borough Assembly would increase that cap to $2 million. The public will be able to weigh in on the ordinance at its second reading during the next Borough Assembly meeting on Monday, March 4th. Assemblymember Scott Newman proposed the change to municipal code. During the borough assembly's February 5th meeting, Newman said that the public has plenty of opportunities to share their views with assembly members, and it shouldn't be necessary for smaller land sales to go to a public vote.
1: If uh, people want to express their opinion, they can come to the meeting, they can see us on the street, give us their input. We represent the public, and uh, everybody that is what I talk to gets heard and influences my opinion on things. Uh, that's the process. So we've been voted in to be able to uh, make decisions like this and, and, you know, for the best interest of the community.
0: Newman explained that the borough has been negotiating a land sale with the Petersburg's tribe, the Petersburg Indian Association, or PIA. The tribe had planned to purchase eight acres of borough land along Petersburg's 8th Street for a housing development. The land was assessed at $1.3 million, which, according to current municipal code, would require a public vote during the municipal election in November. The sale is now on hold. Assemblymember Donna Marsh made a motion to amend the ordinance by decreasing the proposed cap to $1 million. 500000 to $2 million is significant. Both figures are a pile of money. Um... And I think it would be in the best interest of the citizens of Petersburg to have uh, more of a say on such large amount valued parcels. The cap hasn't been raised since 1990. With inflation, $500,000 is worth more than $1,200,000. Assemblymember Thomas Vine Walsh said he didn't think a cap of $1 million was high enough with inflation and the increased cost of land.
1: You know, $500,000, $1 million doesn't buy you as much land as it used to. Uh, so it's important to update our codes, reflect that so that, uh, you know, we're able to move efficiently and uh, keep things running here smoothly.
0: Fine Walsh said smaller sales should be able to move ahead without having to wait up to a year to go to public vote. But he stressed that he thinks it is important to have limits on the value of land that the Assembly can dispose of without a public vote, since the sale of a large piece of land could have a transformative effect on the community. The amendment to the ordinance failed 4 to 1 with Marsh in favor. Some assembly members said they'd like to hear from the public before deciding whether to decrease the proposed cap. The ordinance passed 4 to 1 in its first reading with member Marsh not in favor. The assembly will also need to decide whether property value will be determined through an assessment or an appraisal. All borough property is assessed for property tax purposes. Property is often appraised before it goes up for sale. Appraisals take market conditions and similar sales into consideration, and appraised values are generally considerably higher than assessed values. The Assembly would also have to decide whether the buyer would be required to pay for the cost of the appraisal. The Borough Assembly will take public testimony about the proposed change during the next Petersburg Borough Assembly meeting on Monday, March 4th at noon. The ordinance will have a third and final reading at 6 p.m. on March 18th. More than 100 people gathered in downtown Juneau Saturday afternoon for a rally to urge city and state officials in Alaska to support a ceasefire in Gaza. As Clarice Larson reports, Juneau Assembly members are considering whether the city and borough of Juneau should take an official stance on the issue.
3: The gazebo at Marine Park was packed, as a crowd of about 150 people stood in the cold. They held signs, and many wore the colors of the flag of Palestine. The residents were there to show their support of Palestinians amid the ongoing war between Israel and Hamas. They also urged officials in Juneau and across state and country to call for a permanent ceasefire in Gaza, where health officials say thousands of Palestinians have been killed in Israeli airstrikes. Nicole Church, an indigenous singer and songwriter, gave an impassioned speech at the event and was one of the many who called what was happening in Gaza a genocide.
0: Make no mistake, there is a genocide happening right now in Gaza as we speak.
3: According to the health ministry in Gaza, the death toll since the conflict began in October is nearly 30,000. The event, organized by Juno for Palestine, lasted nearly two hours. Multiple speakers shared stories and their views on the issue. Ernestine Sankathut Hayes, who is an award-winning Clinket author and elder, said she often asks herself what she would do if something like what is happening in Gaza happened in Juneau today. What would I do? Where could I go? What would we do? Where would we be safe? Our homes would be rubble. Our hospitals would be bombed. Where would we take our wounded loved ones t- to find care, to be safe? The organizer shared a citizen's resolution calling for a permanent ceasefire, among other requests to the Juno Assembly. The group previously offered the resolution to the Assembly at a public meeting last month. Only two Juno Assembly members were at the event on Saturday, Christine Wall and Paul Kelly. In an interview, Wall said she's appalled at what is happening in Gaza. There are so many people dying right now, and the U.S. government is um, participating in that. And it feels hopeless sometimes, but when you get together with your community, um, it's helpful to see how many people are in opposition to that. She said she's planning to speak with other assembly members this week to gauge whether they would support a resolution. To me, this is something that um, if enough people speak up in our community, Oh, communities across the country, maybe we can have a difference. Paul Kelly said similar, noting that he was inspired by the people who spoke at the rally, but worries a resolution that takes a stance could isolate some members of the community.
1: Uh, before we, we do a resolution that that speaks to, um, to, to how we as a community are taking a position, uh, I, I want to make sure that I'm not alienating um, any of
3: my own constituents as well. Similar resolutions are being considered in cities across Alaska. The Anchorage Assembly is expected to vote Tuesday on a resolution calling on Alaska's congressional delegation to support a ceasefire in Gaza. In Juneau, I'm Clarice Larson.
0: For many, middle school is a stressful time when teenagers begin to test boundaries and explore their identities. But what if that was actually the curriculum? For one week, Blatchley Middle School in SICA loses the books and all the normal routines and allows students to discover their potential. Catherine Rose dropped by Discover Your Potential Week and sent this report from SICA.
2: It's a Thursday morning in the Blatchley Middle School home economics room. And about 15 middle schoolers are buzzing around the room, three to a station, decorating cakes. It's the great Blatchley Bake Off session of Discover Your Potential, or DYP. And while the students aren't baking in an English garden, their energy is the same as the contestants on the popular TV show. Eager, positive, and scrambling. All right,
1: you guys, we are less than one hour out. 50 minutes. One hour out.
2: Language arts teacher, Brock Vowell, might be Blatchley's equivalent to Paul Hollywood today. But he says kids don't have to have baking experience to be in his class.
1: Um, So it's really, you know, uh, I give them like a variety of cakes to choose from because we have a bunch of different experience levels here. And so they kind of choose their own cake and they collaborate with their team to kind of make a design that fits a specific theme that they kind of voted on.
2: At the end of the week, a group of teachers judge the students' baking creations and award prizes to the winners. Last year's reigning champion, Tegan Woodcock, is rolling out a big swatch of fondant onto a counter.
3: Well, we're using a fantasy theme, so we've also made a bunch of roses, and we're going to try and do like a white cover-up with uh, roses on it.
2: At another station, newcomer Jake Carlos is making decorations for his team's Rapunzel cake, rolling fondant between his fingers with green food coloring.
3: Uh, this is fondant. I'm trying to make it look like a tree.
2: Carlos hasn't done much baking before this class, but he can cook.
3: I, coo- I, I, made- cook, I cook sometimes. I make cereal, um, Hot Pockets. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I, I cook rice, uh-huh. and um, I like
2: eating eggs. While these students decorate their cakes, upstairs another group of kids are flexing their artistic muscles in one of the other 70-plus activities available during DYP. But their mediums aren't fondant and frosting their liquid latex and scar wax
3: um i'm mary killer Esser, and this is get gorgeous it basically is special effects stuff where we use materials to make us look like um, zombies or fake bruises
2: or infected. Keller Esser points to a very detailed wound and a patch of tiny pustules.
3: My injury is a fungus infection, kind of like The Last of Us, but it's just a first stage infection. Special
2: education teacher Judith Young is leading this course. Sitting at her desk, which is covered with tiny takeout sauce cups filled with fake blood, She explains what teachers hope students will gain from DYP.
3: It gives them an opportunity to, you know, spread their wings, learn different things they might not um, think they would like but end up liking. Or it gives them chances to do things that they wouldn't be able to do otherwise.
2: Across the classroom, Casey Fish is slathering his arms and face in a white goop. This is going to be my
3: burned face okay. and arms. Um, the first layer is just a mix
2: of latex and glue. He says he could see himself doing special effects in movies as a job one day. He cites the 80s horror film Friday the 13th as an example with some killer special effects makeup. I ask him if his character has a story. How did he get these burns? Um, it was a a knock-knock joke that went too far. Knock, knock. Sorry. No way are we going to reveal humor so spicy it set the joke teller ablaze. You'll just have to wait 15 or 20 years to see the movie. Reporting in Sitka, I'm Catherine Rose.
0: For KFSK, I'm Hannah Flor.